Rich Ciotti, it's good to see you. Paul, always nice to see you. Tell me who you are. I'm the co-founder of a board, a New York City-based startup. Ah, crazy coincidence. I'm also the co-founder of a board, a New York City-based software startup. This is episode two of the Aboard podcast. It's, it's nice to be back podcasting with you, Richard. Last one was an apology. We came out and we said, we're sorry. We said we were going to launch our software and we didn't. I don't think that's how you should kick off a podcast, but here we are. We had to apologize because we did a hard left turn. So let's tell the story about why we shifted. Let's be clear to everyone. We're not going to spend the rest of this podcast. Pause. I want to be clear. Future episodes of this podcast are going to be about technology subjects and things we're learning and things about culture. We're not going to just spend the next several episodes describing software you can't use. But we thought we should give you some context about where we're coming from and why we're here. I so, think we'll, we'll, we, will, we will also share the pain of starting a company. I love to share pain. So speaking of sharing pain, why don't I tell people the story of how you and I came to work together? You've got one minute. Okay. So just for people who don't know us, which is, you know, 99.999% of the world. Uh, my name is Paul Ford. I'm a writer and journalist. And Richard is a technologist and entrepreneur. Rich, you and I met because I was advising you about a startup you had called Readability. Readability made web pages readable. How am I doing so far? Excellent. 1.5x. Okay. You came to me and you shook my hand and you said, let's start an agency. I think you can sell software. And I said, wait, what? Huh? And then seven years later, we sold that agency. It was a big success. In those intervening seven years, we learned how to work together. We built a lot of software. We managed a team of about 100 plus people. And we looked inside of enormous organizations, governments, banks, not-for-profits, everything. Ran the gamut. And we saw how they worked. And what we saw was that they worked in the same ways poorly using yes. enterprise software. Yes. And so with a board, let's go out there and let's make it better. Let's fix it. Let's create one tool that they can all start with to build from. And that's where we started. And that's what we're not doing. So first of all, let me slow down. Jeez. Yeah, well, You're starting I, to get me nervous. I just didn't have a lot of time. And, I, you know, people don't need to hear that whole story exhaustively. Fair. Okay. Why is enterprise software bad? What, what, is, what are the things, what are the pain points that we're talking about? When we say enterprise software, we mean software that you don't just like go to a website and click a button. You got to call someone. They set you up. Salesforce is the canonical example these days. It's all well, I mean, enterprise software is bad because it doesn't have to be good. You get paid to use it versus consumer software where you, you, give, you download an app and you give it about 20 seconds and you know, if you don't like it, you just toss it, toss it away. You know what I love is the advertising because Slack, it's like, it'll be like, Slack, it's a place to talk with your friends and communicate and do things. Enterprise software will just be like SAP, and it's a picture of like a shadowy man in an airport. Oh, you go to you go to air like major hub airports, you'll see ads for SAP that just say um, "risen." Exactly, just have one word. If you go to a website for a software company, and on that website there is absolutely no way to know what that software is or what it does. That's right. That's enterprise software, and so it's not good, and it's terrible because it doesn't have to be great. But every single one of these tools, sales, usually men, come to your come to your office and they say, let's get this thing installed. You're going to be good. You're never going to need an expert anymore. That's right. And then what happens? You need an expert. 
You always do. You need experts. Uh, the history of technology um, on the enterprise side, and frankly, yeah, no, no, pause. The history of technology on the enterprise side is about as as we've innovated and as Moore's Law just keeps doing its thing, uh, it just spins up new professions, new experts, new areas of expertise. It's a human thing. We could get philosophical here, but this whole pitch of like, well, guess what? You don't need engineers. Now it's low code, no code, schmo code. And it turns out you still need experts and it's not much better. I'll tell you, the funny thing with engineering is everybody loves infrastructure and nobody really likes structure that much. Like they don't, they just go for the infra over and over and over again. So it's just this like, everything is a thing that lets you build other things in a more abstract way. That's enterprise. And so what happens is you end up cobbling all these tools together. So Slack is a good example or... Um, different kind of document managers, things that replace your file system so that you can all work together in a truly new collaborative way. And then what do you do to make them all glue together, Rich? How do you make it all fit in one piece? Integrations. Integrations are awful. Integrations, by the way, is big business. There's a company called MuleSoft that has built bridges for every point to every other point. It's called MuleSoft, by the way, because the imagery they want you to kind of take in is a mule carrying buckets of water, which is integration. Integration is essentially systems that don't connect or communicate with each other have to connect somehow. Let's let's just think for a second. They could have called it data burrow. They could have called it ass mover. They so, called it MuleSoft. MuleSoft. It's bizarre. I, maybe there's an acronym in there that we don't know about. No. I don't think there is. I think it's MuleSoft. And in a way, it's sort of part of why things are awful. So look, we built a ton of software. It's worth noting. It's not like we're whiteboarding. We've spent a lot of energy, a lot of resources. There's a full-blown team that has built all this stuff. And it culminated in a big party in October. I love resources is a, is a nice um, co-founder way of saying money. That's pretty good. We're going to be transparent with people. Not that transparent, but we spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of gold coins yeah, building this software. Gold coins. Yeah. We, we butchered a lot of burrows. Yeah. And so... Um, so what did we build, Paul? Okay. So what happens with the board is you come in, you log in, and you see these different columns. And the, on the left, it looks like chat. But it's actually a place to put in data. It's like a spreadsheet turned into chat. That's what we were going for. That's what we aimed for. And so it was this conversational data thing where you could talk about the work you were doing and move things and statuses and do all that stuff that you would expect. So like imagine Slack and Trello had a baby and it looks pretty good. It's got my avatar in it. It's got notes and comments and all the things you like in software. So why the hell didn't we launch it? We had a party. We said we're going to do it. We took we, a couple of calls. We started to get some positive feedback. We could have kept going. People were using it productively. They still are using it productively. It has users. And so we go out, we threw a party. We said, this is ready for the world. And then boom, we go, eh, hold on. Are we dilettantes? Yes, but yeah. that's beside the point. Fair enough. I think it's worth talking about what was happening in the background while we were building this tool, while we we're getting ready for that party, while we we're starting to reach out to people. And that is the web is melting a little bit. Oh, like Velveeta cheese over nachos. Even worse, like Velveeta cheese that was forgotten on the front porch in August. 
So the thing that people are saying, and I hear this more and more, Google sucks now. It's all ads and the search results don't make any sense. Yes. Why, Rich? Why does Google suck now? Is it because Google's a bad company that just wants to exploit people and put advertising up? No, I like Google. I use Google all the time. I think Google's doing the best it can. It's just, who's making web pages? Who's making stuff that's usable? Wikipedia is the most usable website right now, in my opinion. Like, if I want to know something about something, Wikipedia is like 80% of the time where I want to go. If I want to find real estate, I go to Zillow, right? Like it, but, but Google is just kind of traversing and all that. And I think it's, it's gluing it all together as well as it can. But the web itself, the platform of the web, just isn't what it used to be. Why do you think that is? I think it's a lot of reasons, but I, I just think the incentive structures for people to create really good, high-quality content, people extracted all the value over the last 20 years. They took the money home, and they didn't put money back into making it better, right? They Basically, we over-farmed. We didn't plant the crops that you would need in order for the soil not right. to die. Creation, creativity, creators are not it's not a nurturing place for creators. There are corners, there sure. are spaces where people get to 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 share their creations, but it's a place that shifted and became much more optimized to rapid fire content creation, so the barrier was incredibly low and the quality went down and That's also right. caused harm in a lot of ways. Yeah, social media. I mean, I, we don't need to rehash that, but the reality is like Ultimately, places like Google and Amazon, there are plenty of good actors who are trying to make a better web inside of there. But if you look at the general thrust, it's I'm going to make a platform, I'm going to pull it away from the web, and I'm going to extract a lot of value out of people, and then I'm going to decide yeah. how it goes back out. Yeah. And, and Instagram, Facebook, all of these. So I think there are two things that came together that have kind of taken the web from like this glorious place of just all these wonderful resources to a place where... Um, it just tires everyone. Everybody's kind of done with the, the negativity, the anger, the divisiveness and whatnot. So what are the two ingredients? Ingredient one, if I told you to diss me with a painting, Paul, yeah. go paint some. Here's some oil paint. I mean, you kind of want to see that, right? Like that's, it's, it's worth it. it. It is worth it. A, you can only produce so much on a given day because you're going to have to paint it. Correct. And B, how angry can you be after four hours of relaxed painting? Bob you, Ross style. You start to forgive. You start to forgive. The web today allows you to create content instantly to the point where it's like, hey, chill, just hit one button, take a picture, put it on the internet. It's fine. Take five seconds of video, put it on the internet, type 100 characters on the internet, off we go. So the friction was reduced to near zero on one side. On the other side, the, the platforms that this, this content ends up on keep score by popularity. And popularity doesn't mean like homecoming queen. Popularity means you pissed a lot of people off, you caught a lot of people's attention, and that's what works. Or you're just, and you and I would have no experience of this, incredibly hot. I don't know anything about that part no. of it, but yeah, 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 yeah. Look hot, I can, I, look, as long as the right lines are stayed within, but hot well, that's just fine. That's just humans, we're primates, right? But the, um, so... This, you, you know what I think about a lot? I think we, we get really angry at the founders and managers and CEOs of social media companies. But if you look at it from their point of view, it's just like, oh, wow, I created enormous mass of humanity. I can't stand them anymore. I have empathy for those leaders who like, they had no idea this is where this was going to go. Well, I'm all, no you're, you and I are also disillusioned with humanity. 
I've been disillusioned since I was 13, but that's separate. Exactly. Well, but that's the thing. It isn't for them, right? Because they actually have humanity in their purview. So there is now, and, and I should be clear, you and I actually aren't tired of humanity. We like the web. I still care a lot about creators. We should say it out loud. We're not going to fix social media. We're not coming up with a new social media platform that is going to make it a much warmer, cuddlier place. That's not, that's not the goal of a board. We're too old and too wise to attempt to make like that's humans better. However, we saw that we have in this platform the building blocks to create better, safer spaces for people to collaborate, talk to each other, share expertise, which, you know, a lot of the positivity comes from showing off and actually educating others for any corner of knowledge that is out there. And YouTube does this in a lot of positive ways. There's amazing gardening videos on YouTube. There's all kinds of stuff. Wow. We sound so nice and thoughtful. Let's be clear, Rich. We had a perfectly nice enterprise software product. It looked just as good as any of the others. And we were ready to sell it. And we were ready to go into organizations. And then we looked each other in the eyes and we said, we need to do better. We were nervous about going back to the team with us. The team had been head down, chugging along towards this event, this launch event. We were going to invite thousands of people in. We had a big list of people who wanted access to the thing. We were anxious about it. What's really exciting is that once we presented this bigger vision, Everyone really connected to it and got really excited. They may not have, it could have gone the other way. It didn't. And that was great. And the team is very engaged and we're very excited to share more. Um, I'm not a to be continued kind of guy. Well, look, we can't just keep talking about software that doesn't exist on this podcast. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the web as it is now. And then we're going to bring in, as we can get more people onto the platform using it, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be the first to know. We'll get you. We'll get you on the software if you want to see it, but uh, we're not going to turn this into pure marketing every day. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. Let's leave people with a question. What do you think? What do you want to talk about next episode? Let's get everybody thinking. Why is Wikipedia an absolute shining light on the internet? I have an enormous number of thoughts on that. Putting aside the donation box, that takes over not only my entire screen, but somehow bleeds onto my phone. That alone is an amazing conversation because the Wikipedia community fought back about the donation box and has changed the whole strategy. Let's talk about what makes Wikipedia great because if we're going to make a better web, let's not just focus on what sucks, but what really is wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we hope you stay connected. Spread the word about this podcast. A board is coming, and we're going to share our journey with you. Paul, have a wonderful holiday, a safe and enjoyable holiday season. Uh, thanks, Rich. I will, even though I'm probably going to see you like four times. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to do that. If anybody needs us, hello um, at aboard.io, and you can also uh, check us out at aboard on Twitter yes. if it's still there. And um, we're getting started. Get in touch. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. <laughs>